All right, let's go. Come on, let's get it. I'm ready. Come on, I had 55 minutes to prepare during the service. Now, I prepared before this, don't worry. All right, so anyways, has anyone in this room had a difficult relationship? Anybody? I'm not talking about dating necessarily. I'm just saying a friendship, maybe a family relationship, maybe a coworker. Maybe there's that coworker that you just do not like. You fight all the time. She's always telling you what to do. He's always telling you what to do. You know, maybe you have issues with a brother or sister. I think all of us in this room have had relational issues on some level. And I think one piece of relationships that causes us uh, some difficulty with our faith is bitterness. So I think a lot of us have been touched by bitterness in this place. So bitterness is when someone does something to hurt you or to make you angry, and then you hold on to that anger and that hurt. And you just let it grow inside of you, and you want to get revenge, but you don't actually tell them what's going on, and the bitterness just grows and grows and grows. So tonight, my prayer for us is that God would free us from bitterness, from strife, from relational difficulties as we're heading into the Christmas season. Maybe there's going to be that uncle that just ticks you off at the Christmas dinner. I'm praying tonight that you would get freedom from that bitterness. That's my prayer. I'm praying that as we go in to winter break, that God would give us peace over strife, okay? Peace over strife. That's the title of tonight's sermon. As for the last three weeks, we've been in this series called Prince of Peace, which is about Jesus coming to earth and giving us peace. So the first week, we talked about how Jesus gives us peace over anxiety, Second week, we talked about how Jesus gives us peace over control. When we think about our futures, when we're worrying about them, Jesus can give us peace instead of trying to control everything. And now tonight, we're going to talk about how Jesus gives us peace over strife. So I'm praying that God would set us free in this area tonight. So the verses that have guided this entire series are Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. I love this. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. I love that. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So if you can keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you can keep your mind fixed on him, then you can have supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what Jesus promises us. So tonight we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, can you grab those and turn quickly to Ephesians? It's in the back part of the New Testament, and we're going to be in chapter 4. So Ephesians is this amazing letter. It's written from the Apostle Paul, who is this pioneer, this church planner, this missionary in the very early years of Christianity. And Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians for no particular purpose. He's just trying to touch base with them. Uh, he gives this incredible explanation incredible explanation of the gospel in chapter 2. You need to read Ephesians chapter 2. I'm telling you, read Ephesians chapter 2 this break. Um, he encourages unity in the church. Uh, the Apostle Paul then gives uh, just this blueprint for proper conduct in the church, and that's where we're going to find our passage tonight. So Paul is uh, encouraging the Ephesians to put on a new self. He says, when you come to know Jesus, then you should be a new person. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, then he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And Paul's saying, put on that new self. Put on the new self who is holy and righteous. And then he goes on in our part of the text and he says, put to death the old self. And he zeroes in on what it looks like to be a person who puts on the new self and puts to death the old self in the way that you treat other people. So it's in verse 25. Let's read it. It says this. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you 
Speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 26, someone needs to hear this tonight. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And let the thief no longer steal, but instead let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32, this is beautiful. Are you listening? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. It's beautiful. That's what God calls us into tonight. So tonight, the main idea of our entire sermon is this. Through Jesus, we can have supernatural peace and harmony in our relationships. Jesus offers us that tonight, and I hope we can jump into that this evening. All right, let me pray for us. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for all the wonderful things you've already done in our service. But God, I pray now that each of us would be able to focus on what you have for us. God, I pray that all the distractions, all the projects, all the papers, the finals, all of that would just disappear suddenly. And now, God, that you'd be able to do work with our hearts. God, I pray that our hearts would just sit in the palm of your hand and you could mold and shape them tonight. I pray that you could help us to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to forgive people who hurt us. God, I pray that you would call us into this peace this evening. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? Come on, four points tonight, but they're gonna be fast. I'm trying to go fast tonight, if you can't tell, because we don't have that much time. But I'm gonna unpack these points just alongside the verses, okay? So verse 25 says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the first point tonight is take this note. Write this down. It says, We can have peace in our relationships if we choose honesty and openness instead of deceit. So the first thing we have to get tonight is if we want peace in our relationships, guys, we have to be honest, okay? And we have to choose to speak truthfully to one another. I think we're all tempted in different ways in this room to be dishonest with one another. And maybe you're saying, I never lie. I've never told a lie. I'm like George Washington. I don't know if that's true, but I heard that. You know, I've never lied. But being deceitful can have different forms. You know, some of us do struggle with lying, and we need to repent of that tonight. But also, some of us struggle to share our honest feelings with other people because we're afraid what they might think if we actually shared how we felt. That's deceit. You don't actually share what you think. Someone says, hey, what do you think about this? And you lie. And you just say, oh, it's fine. It's totally cool. And you're dishonest in that. You know, some of us struggle with people pleasing. We want to just please people. We just want to say whatever they want to hear. There's others in this room who struggle with flattery. So we say nice things to people, not because we mean them, but instead because we want to look good. We say, oh, man, you're an amazing singer. But you're just saying that because it makes you look really encouraging. And you don't really mean it. That's flattery. That's from the devil. Flattery is not from God. Instead, we should choose to, or to seek genuine compliments from God and speak that truth to them. I'm not telling you to be like, hey, you stink at singing. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying say something that's truthful. Do not flatter people. And I also think another form of deceit is some of us are closed off in this space tonight. We're closed off. We don't let people in. We don't let them into our lives. And 
Guys, if we want true peace in our relationships, we have to choose to be honest no matter what. If we don't, if we choose this route of deceit, of people-pleasing, of flattery, and being closed off, then we cannot expect to have true peace in our relationships. It could be surface-level peace, like it seems like everything's good, but it won't be true peace because in our hearts we'll know that we're actually not being ourselves. So as we head into this Christmas season, God wants to give us peace in this area of honesty. He wants us to be honest in our relationships. He doesn't want us to always say exactly what we're thinking, though, okay? So God gave you a filter. It's from the Holy Spirit. If we all said what we're thinking all the time, that would not be good. Some people would be walking out in here. Some slaps would be going on. That would not be good. So use the filter, okay? And don't say anything that's corrupt or that's slandering people, okay? We don't want to do that. But instead, only speak truthful things, okay? So speak truthful things, but also don't go to the point where you're like, I'm just saying it how it is, okay? Some of you do that. You're like, I don't care. I'm telling the truth. No, that's not what God calls you to tonight either, okay? You got that? Make sense at all to you? Okay, so being a truth speaker does not give you license to be a jerk, all right, or to slander people. But also, we should not people, please. We should not say things just to flatter people or to look good. So there's an incredible quote from this commentary. It says this. It says, when members are open, so he's talking about the body of Christ. So the thing is, in this context, Paul is actually referring to how we interact with each other as Christians, okay, specifically. But I think we can apply it to the way we interact with anyone in the world. But this is what the commentator says about this. He says, when uh, the members of the body of Christ are open and perfectly truthful with one another, the body will work in harmony and therefore efficiently. But without this openness and truth, there can only be disunity, disorder, and trouble in human community. So we need to embrace that tonight. We need to embrace openness and truth. So let's go on to verse 26 and 27. It says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Second point tonight is this. We can have peace in our relationships if we deal promptly, promptly with our anger and hurt instead of letting it grow. The second thing we have to get is we have to deal with it. We have to deal with our pain. We have to deal with our hurt. We have to deal with our anger. When people hurt us, we need to do one of two things. You have two options. The first thing is to choose to let it go and to forgive that person quickly. Just let it go. Forgive them. People are flawed. People screw up. If people didn't screw up, then Jesus would not have had to come and die, all right? So sometimes you just need to get over it and let it go and forgive them. You can't hold on to everything, okay? But then there's other times when you can't get over it, and I get this. I've had this. Like, it just really hurts you, and you can't seem to see a way forward with that particular person. And God calls you to embrace the boldness that the Holy Spirit offers you, okay? The Holy Spirit offers empowerment, boldness, and go to that person in love and with grace and share with them. Say, hey, this really hurt my feelings. Hey, what you said that night, that, that just didn't sit right with me. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. There's some people in this room tonight, I know it, that you're holding on to bitterness. There's someone that you're mad at and they have no idea. There's someone you're mad at and they have no idea. What a pity. What a pity. That person has no clue that you're mad at them. And if they knew, maybe they could apologize and make it right. But you're not giving them the opportunity. You're robbing them of the opportunity to make it right. And you're also robbing yourself of peace. So tonight, maybe you need to call someone on the phone after tonight. You know, people might be sleeping. But if they're not sleeping, call them on the phone. And share with them and say, hey, I just got to talk to you about this. Or just arrange a time to get coffee and do it with love. Speak truth and love and talk to them and just say, hey, you know, this really hurt me. 
We need to deal promptly and swiftly with our anger towards others. Guys, we need to deal with it tonight. All right, so the third thing, well, it comes from verse 29. It says this, let no corrupting talk, I love this verse, come on. It's so good. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good, or such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Third point is this. We can have peace in our relationships if we build others up instead of gossiping and slandering. Somebody about to get saved tonight because we've all been gossiping some, right? Every human being struggles with it to some extent. But tonight we need to repent. Tonight we need to embrace the life of not slandering other people, of not gossiping. If the person heard what you said and they would be hurt, then you shouldn't say it, okay? Unless you want to say it right to their face in a loving way. But don't go talking to other people or go talking to other people about that person. And it doesn't just apply to gossiping and slandering. It also applies to vulgarity. Don't let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Some of you have been cussing a lot in this place, and you're just saying, ah, you know, it's the hipster Christian thing to do just to cuss, because, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about our cuss words in the English language, right? No. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. So tonight, I call you to repent of that and to speak wholesome words, to speak things that bring life, that give grace to those who hear. I feel like God is calling us as a community to be the most life-giving people on the planet to build others up, to encourage them. In verse 30, like, this is, come on, this is mind-blowing right here. This should convict you tonight. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So Paul says, when we speak corruptly, whether that be through gossip, slander, vulgarity, or speaking pervertedly, bad language, it grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seems to take special interest in our tongues, right? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we talk about this, the Holy Spirit, or Jesus fills you with the Holy Spirit, he baptizes you. Each of us, if we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we speak in other tongues, right? We speak in other languages. I've talked about that here on Tuesday nights. If you don't know what that is, I'll talk to you about it sometime. I can't get into it tonight. But Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, and then you speak in other languages. The Holy Spirit wants to get control of your tongue tonight. Ephesians 5, verse 18 and 19 says, do not get drunk with wine. Boom. Drop that right there. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what's he say? He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So he says, don't get drunk. Hear that? But that's not what we're talking about. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Then he says, sing. Sing hymns. We should be walking around singing to each other, right? Building each other up, giving grace to those who hear. The Holy Spirit is particularly interested in our tongues tonight. So I think we need to repent of gossiping and slandering and speaking vulgarly about people and embrace this life of building each other up in the Lord. Come on. Someone's about to get baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm believing it. So if we're to be a spirit-led people, if we're to be a spirit-pleasing people, and if we're going to have peace in our relationships, we have to resist the urge to speak poorly. Let's be a people who make it our goal to bless people and build others up. Let's be people who encourage each other. I've heard it said that encouragement is giving people the courage to be the person who God has called them to be. I want to give people courage tonight. Let's walk in that. All right, verse 31 and 32. It all comes together here. Paul is just dropping some Jesus bombs. Let's go. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ forgave you. Someone's about to get convicted. All right, verse four, or not verse four, point four. It says, we can have peace in our relationships if we choose grace by forgiving quickly and embracing a life of kindness and tenderheartedness instead of being bitter and angry. Paul sums up the whole section by calling us to forsake bitterness, to forsake wrath, and instead choose kindness, forgiveness, tenderheartedness. Paul calls us to be a people who forgive quickly, people who give tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of grace. Give lots of grace. When you think, I've given that person too much grace, give them a little bit more. Paul calls us to be kind. The road rage needs to stop somebody. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. And you live this way not to earn God's forgiveness, but instead because Jesus already forgave you. And if Jesus forgave you of all the things you've done, how can you be bitter towards someone else for their sin? Because Jesus has forgiven you of the greatest of debts. You put him on a cross and he forgave you. How can you hold wrath like you're so justified towards someone else? When Jesus said, the way I'm going to respond to the way that you betrayed me is by laying down my life for you. So God calls you to do the same thing, to lay down your life for people who have hurt you. And say, I'm going to forgive you. That's a form of laying down your life. So Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is sobering. It says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, then neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's hard, but it's good. Because when we hold bitterness in our hearts, it puts up a relational barrier with God. Bitterness needs to be repented of tonight. We need to make a decision that bitterness will have no place in our lives. And forgiving others is truly an act of faith. You're stepping out in faith when you forgive other people. Because you surrender your desire to get revenge and to execute justice, and you leave it to God. You say, God, I'll trust you to handle that person. I'll trust you to take care of the revenge that I feel like I need to have. God, I trust you with justice. Bitterness and hard-heartedness towards people is a scheme of the devil to sour your heart, to steal your peace, and to cut you off from God. As a forgiven people, we're called to forgive others. And when we choose bitterness, we defile our hearts and we separate ourselves from God. I've heard it said that bitterness is like drinking poison and, and expecting the other person to die. It only hurts you in the end. We need to flee bitterness, get free tonight, and give it to God. Let's be a group of people who praise the Lord's Prayer daily. Okay, what's it say? It says a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to get into it. But then he says, And Father... Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. We need to be people who pray that daily. Because people are going to hurt you. If you hang around humans at all, which I know some of you don't do that very often, like video games, you hang around humans, you're going to get hurt, I promise you. If you let them in, they're going to hurt you. Humans are pretty stinky. They're going to hurt you, I promise. So every day, Jesus said it's important to pray this prayer every day, to say, God, forgive me my trespasses. So first, seeing that God needs to forgive you. You're not perfect, okay? Some of you think you're perfect tonight. You ain't, all right? So forgive me, and then say, God, help me to forgive others. God calls us into that tonight. And in that place, you're going to find supernatural peace, I promise. Supernatural peace and freedom. Let's just sum it all up with Romans 
12:18. It says, "If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all." If possible, so don't sacrifice your beliefs, all right? God's not calling you to that. But if possible, if you can continue to have your beliefs and all that, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Let's embrace this path tonight. Let's reject the path of bitterness and hard-heartedness and embrace the path of tender-heartedness, kindness, and forgiveness. All right, the worship team would come up. We're going to close here in a few minutes. I'm going to savor this because this is my last time with you guys until January or something. I don't like that. It's too long. And I actually went quicker than I expected, so I'm going to take like 30 more minutes. I'm kidding. That can be 30 more minutes. All right. So the main idea is this tonight, if you forgot to take notes the first time. I get it. Some of you were napping, but I hope I woke you up. Let's take this note. Through Jesus, we can have peace and harmony in our relationships. Through Jesus, only through him, you can't do it on your own, but through Jesus we can have peace and harmony in our relationships tonight. So this whole series has been about peace. Some of us have, have not had peace for a long time. We haven't had peace for a long time. Maybe like, the last time you had peace was when you were too young to even know what was going on in the world. Like, maybe the last time you had peace was when you were like five years old, before everything hit the fan, right? That's what happens in life. Whoa. But this Christmas season, I believe that Jesus wants to give you a gift. I really do. And I think that gift is peace. Jesus wants to give you peace tonight. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We sing that song, the Prince of Peace, the Suffering King, all that. He's come to give you peace. So will you embrace it tonight, though? That's what I'm asking you to do. Because you can choose to continue to not have peace, to continue to worry about everything in your life. You can choose continue to try to control your future. You can choose to continue to try to control justice and be bitter towards other people. Or tonight you can surrender before the King of Kings and say, God, I'm giving it to you. So that's what I'm calling you into tonight. Christianity is really all about, first of all, rejecting our old life and, and repenting of sin, but also saying, God, you got this. Jesus, I trust you. I'm not going to try to get salvation on my own. Jesus, I'm not going to try to work everything out for myself, but instead I'm going to surrender to you. I want to be caught up in your story, Jesus. not my own story. I don't want to create my own world and, and try to control everything, but instead I want to just give my life to you and trust you with it. So tonight, God is calling you into that. And if you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen. I want to challenge you to listen tonight because life is too short for you to do life the way that you want to do it because that's going to lead to this burden in your heart. It's going to lead to this, this sense of being pulled one way and and then pulled the other. It's going to lead to this disunity in your spirit. But Jesus has come, and he's come to offer you peace. Jesus came. He came. God himself, okay, God, God himself came, and he lived as a baby. That's what we're celebrating this Christmas season. We're not celebrating Santa Claus, although I like Santa. But God, over this Christmas season, we're celebrating Jesus. God became man. He came as a baby. And then what did he do? He embraced this life of obscurity, he embraced this life of poverty. He embraced this life of laying down his life for other people. And the whole time, he lived perfectly. He was tempted just like you are, okay? Tempted in all the same ways, had all the same struggles, that kind of stuff. But he said no over and over again. And the reason he said no was because he loved you and because he wanted to bring you peace. And he knew that for his sacrifice to be sufficient, he would have to live perfectly. Okay, so he lived perfectly his entire life, resisting the devil, fleeing sin. And then he gets rewarded 
by being put up on a cross and paying the debt of sinners, okay? So the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Jesus gets on a cross and pays that wage so that each of us could put our faith in him. And if we put our faith in him, if we repent of our sins, if we trust him, then when God looks at us, he sees paid. The sin is paid for. Jesus paid for that sin. Jesus paid for that debt. And when God looks at us, he sees a son or daughter. That's what we're called into. And then Jesus didn't just die for us. Then he went into the grave for three days. He literally was dead. And after three days, he rose from the dead, defeating death, sin, hell, and the grave, declaring a, a complete end to suffering and to injustice. And he said, he said, I have the keys of death. Now he invites us to jump into his story. He invites us to put our faith in him and to have life and to have peace. But so many of us are rejecting it in this place tonight. I don't know why you're rejecting it. Because your way ain't going to work. I'm sorry, it's not going to work. But the only way that's going to work is the way of Jesus Christ, the God-man who changed the course of history. So this Christmas season, I challenge you, don't just get excited about the presence, although I'm asking for some things, and I'm excited about the presence. Don't just get excited about that. Don't just get excited about the Christmas carols. But instead, take some time to think about who Jesus is and to truly decide if you want to live your life for him. And then to have supernatural peace. I invite you in to that tonight. So if you would stand with me. So tonight, God is calling us to get free from our bitterness, to get free from our strife. He's calling us to have relational peace in this room, but then also outside of this room. God's calling us to be a people who walk with peace, a people who walk in peace, a, a people who aren't offended all the time, a people who aren't bitter, a people who aren't hard-hearted, but instead a people who forgive quickly, a people who are tender-hearted, and a people who are kind. If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I just want to pray for two groups of people tonight. So the first group is this. If you're in this room and you are not right with God, and you know if you're not right with God, if you're not right with God tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with him, to repent of your old lifestyle and to walk in his story, to say, I'm not going to live for myself, but instead I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to accept his sacrifice on the cross and walk in the life that he's called me into. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. When I do, I just want you to slip up your hand. All right, one, two, three. Slip up your hand. I see tons of hands going up in this place. Tons of hands. Is there anyone else in this room? All right. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. So it's no special prayer. It's not magical. I'm just going to pray a prayer of surrender and repentance. And I want you to pray a prayer of repentance in your heart, just saying, God, I've screwed up. I messed up, but I want to follow you. God, I want to be your son. God, I want to be your daughter. So I'm going to pray that. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the students who have put their faith in you tonight. And God, I pray that there be no person in this room who walks out the same. God, I pray that there be no person in this room who wasn't following you before they came and who walks out still not following you. But instead, I pray that repentance would fall in this place and each of us would reject our old lifestyles and decide to get caught up in your story. So God, I pray that you would give us a new heart tonight. God, I pray that you put your Holy Spirit inside of us and I pray that each of us would be different in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. All right, one more group. All right, so if you're in this room and you're struggling with hard-heartedness, if you've been bitter, and you know if you've been bitter, it's been bugging you a lot. If that's you tonight, freedom has come. Peace has come. But guys, we have to repent of it. So I'm asking you to repent in this place. So if that's you, and there's bitterness or hard-heartedness going on in your heart, can you just raise your hand as a sign of repentance and saying, God, I'm giving that up. God, I'm giving it to you, and I'm embracing peace. All right, Jesus, we just repent tonight of bitterness. God, we repent of anger. 
And God, we ask you to give us kindness, tenderheartedness, and peace during this Christmas season. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In the mighty and strong name of Jesus, amen.